everybody does it, but uh, uh, I think the theology of love is if you realize that you're saved because God loved you, you're still here because God loved you. I'm still here because, uh, you know, I realize that uh, what I was born with, my sister worked at the hospital over there for 20, 30 years, however long it was. She said they only had three or four kids in that time that were born with holes in their heart, and it's got a name for it, and only one of them survived, and the other one only lived for a short period of time. So, uh, you know, I'm very fortunate. I mean, I'm here because God saved me and keep me here. And, uh, you know, uh, it's so as an introduction, I want to say that the word love used in many situations is lost its true meaning, I believe. We take love, you know, and we said LOL, you know, lots of love. Now it's life out loud. Love on mugs, love on glasses, hearts made with hands, sign language. But what is real love? What is real love? And I'm sure that all of us, or most of us would say, if we didn't say out loud, I ask you a question, do you love Jesus Christ, the Son of God, with all your heart and soul. And I would hope that everybody would say yes. But how many of us serve him like we do? You know, I, love my children. You know, when they were first born, you know, and still do. But, you know, you hold that little baby in your hands, you know, there's nothing. If you're a loving father, you, if you're, a, you know, mentally stable, that's a gift from God. And that's why that as they grow up and they hurt you, they disappoint you, you don't stop loving them. You can't relate to that love because of their, but you never stop loving them. Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, looking at verse 4 through verse 8, God says, Charity suffered long and is kind. Charity envied not. Charity vaunted not itself. It is not puffed up. I can say this with a clear conscience, with a clear heart. What somebody else has, doesn't affect me at all. I'm thankful for it. I don't care if my car is about ready to fall apart and somebody buys a new one. It don't bother me at all. I'm thankful. Because when my time comes around, see, because God is not a respecter of persons. God didn't bless you because of you. He blessed you despite you and me. So God tells us, you know, that... Charity suffers long. We see in verse 5, doth not behave itself unseemly, 
seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. I mean, stop and think. How many times did you catch yourself thinking about stuff you had no business thinking about? God said, it's long. It's charity suffers long. It means that you've got to have patience, and you didn't have patience when you was first born. I mean, a baby is one of the most impatient little fellows you'll ever have on this earth. I mean, you know, all of you can tell the same story. I mean, you know, I was on second shift and get home at 3 o'clock, you know, and baby start crying, you pick it up, it's all life, you know. Wants attention. That's what we want. But, see, if we love God, then we will give him some attention. We will give him some attention. So God says charity suffers long. You look up at where it suffered. I mean, what does God put up from me? I mean, I claim to be his. How many times do I, my thought life, see, is not only is what we do, listen to me now, but what we think. I'm, I'm a much nicer person in my body when I'm around people than I am in my mind sometimes when I'm by myself. And I begin to think, you know, this should be done and nobody's uh, doing it. Or this person, this part of town has never been visited. Nobody's visited. You know, all of those type things. And God is saying charity suffered long and is kind. Well, but you don't know how that person treated me. I know how I treat God, and he still loves me. I mean, stop and think about it. Would you love yourself if you were God, if it just turned around? I mean, we put so much in front of him, but yet we say, I'm saved, I know I'm saved, and I love him. Well, this 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians puts some light on it. Notice in verse 5, you know, as he said in verse 4, charity suffers long and is kind. Charity envy of not. Charity of honor is not itself. It's not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Then, God says in verse 6, Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. What do we do, you know, when we learn something we had never heard it before, or maybe it hadn't put a lot of emphasis on it before, you know. We've been saved for, for years, and now this preacher comes up and he's preaching on that and expects me to participate in it and take part in it? Well, is the pastor wrong for teaching everything? Or is the pastor who picks and chooses 
Is he right? I believe that when God called me to preach, he called me to preach Genesis to Revelation. What you do with it is life up to you. But any time that you hear truth, you've got the ability to receive it, you've got the ability to, to embrace it, and when you said blatantly, turn it away, I'm, I'm not doing that. Been saved 40 years, I ain't never heard that stuff before. Has somebody taught it from the Bible before? That's the chief. If we want to know what God wants us to do, how God wants us to live, what kind of attitude we should have, we go to the Word of God. But you'll never change anything. I'll never change anything about me until I realize I have it. I'll never work on my attitude as long as I think I have the right. You know, that's where we are in this world. That's the reason all that foolishness, you know, you know, the most ridiculous thing I've heard this week was when these these women trying to get a law so they can do something to their hair, shave it off. I don't care. But you're going to get the government to okay so you can wire your hair a certain way. Well, you know, all you got to go to the Word of God. And God doesn't say anything except a woman's hair ought to be long. Well, I couldn't wear no long hair. That's between you and God. But God's word says what? <coughs> he said, it beareth all things. It beareth all things. Believe of all things. Hope all things. Endure all things. Now, you may be saying, well, you mean God wants us to believe all that silliness that's going on in the world? No, he's talking about anything that this word of God says, we are to endure it. We are to believe it. We are to try to embrace it. There's some marriages that have went on for years and, and you know, there's no doubt in my mind. I don't ask them. They don't care what I think. But if you live with the same person for a period of time, it takes some giving and taking. Sometimes to, to the point you get tired of giving or you get tired of taking. But, see, when God said, love beareth all things, believe of all things, hope of all things, endure of all things, it's not talking about society, it's talking about what God says. You think when God says that we are to be in the word, that we ought to be faithful, that we ought to do this, that we ought to do that. It's not if you want to or not. See, grace, you grow in grace. You grow in grace. And you ought to be doing things today that you didn't do when you were first saved. 
Some things ought to be more important to you today than they were when you first saved. That's the theology of love. God tells us charity, charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall do what? Cease. When body say, I speak in tongues, I have no problem with that. But tongues is not for today's movement, it ceased. It was right in its time. God said, whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Almost all of us who had a good bringing up, we talk about, you know, I could sit here tonight and talk for an hour about how sharp my dad was. I mean, he was intelligent. He, he substituted for the Georgetown College. He was a very intelligent. You know, by the time they got to me, he had done spread it all out, you know. <laughs> but, but I mean, he was a very intelligent man. Mom was uneducated. But dad treated mom like she was as smart as he was. Never made my mother feel dumb or unimportant. That's love. Education is not love. Money is not love. Love, when you fall in love, that person becomes your everything here on earth, second only to the Lord Jesus Christ. You put your husband or wife before God, and I'll tell you, you've got a good chance of losing them. God tells us here in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 4, you know, as we read. Look, it says, Charity suffered long at its time. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. Does not behave itself unseemly. In, in other words, there are five things. Love suffers long. Love is kind. Love does no envy. Love vaunted not itself. Love is not puffed up. 1 Corinthians 13, 5. 13, 5. Then we go to 1 Corinthians 13, 6. Two things. Love rejoices not in iniquity. Love rejoices in truth. See, when you love Jesus Christ, you want the truth. That's why that people who... Uh, belongs to a church where the word of God is preached, those people as a way will love God more than in a church where the truth is not taught. Because they're being taught that you are special. God sent his son to die for you. You know, if we can get that into the young people's head, they wouldn't have to be out on dope and drugs and sex to make themselves feel good. If you can get in your heart and mind, God loves me. 
as bad as I am, as, you know, I'm not the sharpest dude in the world, I'm not the best looking, I'm not healthy, but he loves me, and he loves me just the way I am. Because he can change it any time he wants to. One of the doctors said, you know, I can tell that you are a a religious man. I said, I want to correct you on that. I'm a saved man, been born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm not a religious person. I know his belief was probably Hindu or Buddha or Catholic or something, but he couldn't talk to me on a religious, a Christian plane because we, our, our beliefs are too different. But I did took that opportunity to witness. I said, friend, you just said that you can fix that, hopefully, or you, but I, I'm not going to die from it. I said, I don't care how bad it gets. I'm not going to die until my date shows up. He said, I've heard that before, but I don't believe it. Well, you've heard it again, and you better start believing it. Because it's true. You came here on time, and you're going to leave on time. But that doesn't take away your responsibility. But love. God loves me and he don't, you don't care what I wear, you don't care what I drive, you don't care, I mean, he, he just loves me. First Corinthians 13 verse 6, you know, when we look at verse 6, there are two things. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. God puts it in his word. This is what I rejoice in. I want you to tell the truth. If you say you love God, then your life ought to prove it. If you say you're saved, you ought to be different than you was before God saved you. And that's what he rejoiceth in. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. God rejoices in truth, Brother Steve. Isn't it wonderful? He beareth all things. He believeth all things. Hope all things. Endureth all things. What a God. Then we looked at the seventh verse. You know, in that seventh verse, you know, four things, you know. He loves and bears all things. That's should be born, loves, believes all things that should be believed. You know, it's not saying he believes everything that's out there. He believes the things that should be believed, the things that he inspired those men long ago to write it down. That's what he loves. And in the eighth verse, he said, Charity never faileth. Love never faileth. 
But whether there's prophecy, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Wherefore, there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. See, but love, the theology of love, you know, what is your theology about grace? That means what do you believe about grace? What does the Bible teach about grace? That's the theology of grace. The theology of repentance. And when I was at Lexington Baptist College, Cincinnati Baptist College, that's we had a whole semester on those things, on theology. Theology is what you believe. But it's you break it down. What do you believe about long-suffering? If you believe you should be long-suffering, God and you working together, you won't fly off and go crazy, you know, like so many of us do at times. we got to learn how to do that. But the best thing about 1 Corinthians 13.8 is, you know, he never faileth. Even though they took his son, took him up that hill, put him to the cross, he never failed. That was what he became to there for. If he, he, he could have escaped and did many, many times. They wanted him, but he would disappear. I think it's sort of like, you know, <laughs> I remember when God saved me and I, I wondered, I wondered, what's going <coughs> to happen to, see, it was four of us, we ran around the Jefferson, you know, the four hoodlins from Muddy Ford. All of us lived within a couple of miles of one, one another. But, you know, I didn't have to worry. Because when they found out that I then lost my mind and got saved, I didn't see them no more. I didn't run them away, but what I believed and the change in me, see, whatever you believe, it will change you. If it doesn't change you, then you don't believe it. It may affect you a little bit. Oh, how precious it is. Four things. Love bears all things. Love believes all things that should be believed. Love hopes all things that should be hoped. And love endure all things that should be endured. Then we go to the eighth verse and you know, which charity never faileth. But prophecy fails. Tongues fail. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. You know, knowledge about almost anything is almost gone. But for we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. Just think about that, church. 
when God appears in the air, you will know as he knows. All of those things you wondered about him together, you'll know it. And you won't question him because you will know as he knows. That's the theology of love. And if we really love, then we want to know what that means, you know. You know, that's why I don't get as excited about weddings as I used to because weddings now is about, I don't know what it's about, to be honest with you, but I mean, you know, man, I, I can remember some marriages that I brought together, you know, it, it wasn't all this old silly stuff, you know. I mean, it's, it's all about money. I mean, you know, you can run into eight, nine, ten, fifteen thousand dollars in a heartbeat. For what? But that wedding day won't keep you. The love in the heart will keep you. But it takes two. Takes two. You know. We know that Jesus is going to do his part. The question is, are we going to do ours? <laughs> There's all the answers we need right here. But do we read it? Do we study it? Then we look on the love of God. We know that God is love. God loves because God is love. Now let's uh, look at First John. First John. And we see over here that... Uh, I'm going to really like this Bible when I get it broke in. It's about the time I leave this earth and go back to glory. 1 Corinthians, or first, first John chapter 4, man. I've lost it. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8. God said, He that loveth not knoweth not God. Explain that. I just did. It doesn't take any explanation. God said, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. You've heard about Him. You accepted Him, but you never had some, you know, these precious moments together. A friend of mine said, you know, when me and George they got married and, you know, because everybody knows that the only reason you know, I married her was because she was pregnant. She just had a, a two-year and nine-month, you know, she carried a baby two years and nine months. But they said, you know, when the baby comes, your time had to be split. 
So you take advantage of what time. And I took that to heart, you know, because when you have an opportunity to spend some time with the one you truly love, I don't care whether the house needs cleaning or the dishes need washing or the car needs washing, you spend the time with the one you love. Don't you love God? How much time does just you and him share? See, I ask questions, I don't answer them. First Corinthians chapter four and verse sixteen. God said, And we have known and believed. The love that God have to us, God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Now, if I interpret the 16th verse correctly, he's not in me if I don't have no love in me. Huh? Let's read it again. And we have known and believed the love of God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Because most of the love that we've shown is for reason. But God, he said, we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. Of course, God loves us because he is love. He is love. I'm not love. I've got the ability to love, but I'm not love. God's love. There is no hate in God. There's no arguments in God. So when we see here in 1 Corinthians, 1 John chapter 4, I mean, you know, it's just clearly that the 16th verse that we have known and believed the love that God have to us. And it's got to be because God is love. It doesn't, he loves, he is love. The one who chose me, chose me out of love. The one who gave me the ability to believe the gospel and to try to live for him, he loved me. And if you love somebody, you'll try to protect them. Believe me, God protects us. You can call it a bodyguard. You can call it what? But when we're in the center of God's will, nobody can bother us unless God okays it. Oh, I believe in, you know, (laughs) in a few weeks if I go to Georgia, yep, I'll go to Georgia and F-357 will be right there with me. So that's contradictory. Oh, no. God gives us the responsibility to protect what he's given us. And whether we want to believe it or not, everything I have belongs to God. Everything. Then we see that God is more than love, but he is love. 
God loves so much. That's what John 3.16 is all about. For God so loved. I mean, that's the greatest verse. About everybody knows it, but I preach sermon on it if if anybody heard it, you know. It ain't, John 3.16 don't mean nothing what this world has taught it. For God so loved the world that he gave what world? His world. He chose that world before he created the earth. You go to the Ephesians, the second chapter. He wrote my name in the book of life before there was life. God said in 1 John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2, knows what God says. For the life was manifested and we have seen it, and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Our life came from Him. You see that? The life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father was manifested unto us. See, it's uh, Jew, Gentile, life is in God. God gives life, God takes life. And the last uh, couple of points is, what about your love for God? Do you really love God? Jesus said in John 14, 15, but before we get there or quote that, do you really love God? You can go to Scripture and find out if you, you do. Because Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. See, and, and that's how people does it, you know. Uh, uh, there are so many men and women that both of them does it, you know. They go out and get messed up and get involved with another woman or another man and come back home to the wife and, you know, and, honey, you know I love you. I just got to have some time to, to, to myself, you know. I said, I, you know, I had eight sisters. Probably know more women that profess to be saved than I do men, but I ain't met anybody that stupid. You know, I don't. I don't think no woman is stupid enough to know if that man goes out every night with another woman and comes back in and says, "Honey, I love you." No. Well, it, it, it's he says, Jesus says in John fourteen fifteen, "If he loved me, keep my commandments." Well, what if we don't keep his commandments? 
Not perfectly. We can't do it perfectly. But it bothers you when you can't or you didn't. Jim called me last night and she said, you know what Sunday is? I said, yes, it's Mother's Day, Jim. You going to give me a card? I said, why should I? She said, it's Mother's Day. I said, but you're not my mother. I love God because God loves me. But she knows I'll, I'll run up getting her a card. <laughs> but, you know, but see, Mother's Day, the greatest gift outside of your salvation is a mother that loves you, cares for you, will put you first. They carried you. Why shouldn't they love the mother? They was with the mother nine full months before the dad even. He just reached down there and heard something. They told him that was the heartbeat, you know, or it was not. But it's the mother. And lastly, look what's happened as we close in Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. God said here, Revelation 2, 2, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, he said, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and thou hast cried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars. Think about that now. God is saying, I know all of these people that you gave more love to than you did me. But you found them all to be liars. Because if I'm truly saved, God is first. If my wife was living tonight and I wasn't here, I'm, I would guarantee I'd, I'd be willing to bet everything that I have. Ask, you would ask her, who is your first love? And she would say, Jesus Christ. Because without Jesus, I wouldn't have got him. You may not know who you're going to marry, boys, but Jesus does. You better be good to him, he'll give you a better one. No, I was kidding. So the question is, have you forgotten your first love? Have you ever loved the Lord with all your heart? I hope I'm not deceiving myself. But if I'm honest with myself, Jesus is my first and last love. As 
few years ago when there was three, four preachers out of Bryan Station from different churches. And the wives didn't want them to be a preacher. So, you know, one of them throwed his Bible notes out of the window on the way going to a church, all that kind of, kind of stuff. And one of them asked Dora one, one time, how do you do it? You do it because God has blessed us. He blesses us if he has chose to use you. You want to be blessed? You, use, you let God use you. Here I am, Lord. Take me. And she was saved very clearly. I was his wife before God called him to preach, and I'm still his wife. See, it's all about God, not about me and you and everybody else. Father, we thank you for.